The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Here on The Ranking Show, we are about to talk fantasy football rankings for the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. I am in the playoffs in my two most important leagues, and I absolutely love that, but I also love other things like music and like the Black Crows. They're going on tour. My wife and I are planning to make a trip out of it and not see it in our hometown of Chicago. So I'm already going around on game time and finding Black Crows tickets in cities that aren't Chicago. And I can find them in a number of cities across the entire tour. And I love that about game time. You can find any ticket you want for concerts, for theater shows, for sports, whatever you're looking for, GameTime has got it. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. To the ranking show for the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. At least for most of us, most of our leagues, the playoffs are beginning here this week. So if you are sitting here listening to us talk about rankings for week 14, then congratulations are likely in order for you being in your fantasy football playoffs. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every single week on Wednesdays on the ranking show by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, um, I know we didn't make it in all of our leagues, but how are we feeling heading into Week 14? Do we at least make it in our uh, most important leagues? No. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because... What's uh, your most important league, Jake? Well, the home league, I made that. I have a buy in that one. The second most, I I always want to make it in all of the flex leagues, and you guys let me down. I mean, come on, guys. But uh, I missed it, too, because... Actually, I was in Jersey Jen, so for everybody out there that should be doing the same, in my recommendation, I don't know about you, if you guys agree, but I har- I always recommend sixth place going to the most points scored, not in the playoffs, to you know eliminate some of the luck. I also play doubleheaders in my home league, but in any case, flexes and doubleheaders is just sixth place points, which I had locked up because I have the second most points, and I have the most points against by far. I've been just getting smoked every single week. I get like, I'll face the three-week you know, Aaron Jones or the four-touchdown Aaron Jones game, but Anyway, I was fine, but Jersey Jen does have 100 more points than me, and she lost, which put her in sixth place, but also for the points. If she would have won, I would have bumped the sixth place person, so her loss actually bumped me out. Ah, I actually, I'm out of the playoffs in the flex league. Yeah, I got it all. I I know you're out. You're out. Beller got, actually, you you got bumped by the I I lost the tiebreaker because my team. Yeah, I got bumped by the points rule as well. Um, my team was terrible, though, so <laughs> I really didn't belong in the playoffs. But my home league, uh, I am most likely in. It'd be pretty hard for me to not be in, even if I lost. I'm going to knock on wood. Um, but yeah, that's the one I care about the most is looking pretty good. Yeah, I got in flex. I got bumped by, uh, I came in sixth. And I actually, Jake, I'd completely forgotten about the uh, the points rule. Um, so I was like, all right, well, my team's falling apart. I was six and one in that league and ended six yeah. and seven. Uh, so <laughs> my team's falling apart, but at least I'll get to get a play a playoff game. And then uh, the, the the Flex League's Twitter handle started tweeting out who was in the playoffs. And I saw that I wasn't in mine. And then, you know, Eureka moment. Oh, yeah, it goes to points for the six spot, not record. So 
Didn't make it there. I did make it, though, in my uh, two most important. The home one, of course, in the playoffs there. And then I've got another one that's like half of the exact same people who are in my home league and then half of other friends we've scooped up along the way. And I'm in the playoffs in both of those. So feeling good. Hopefully we can uh, help me make some decisions uh, in this episode of the Ranking Show because I do have some to go over. But more importantly, we're hoping we can help all of you out there make some decisions. A little housekeeping first. Follow Jake on Twitter at All in Kid. Follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. You can follow me at M. Beller. You can still get 40% off a subscription by going to theathletic.com slash the ranking show. Get yourself 40% off a annual subscription to The Athletic. If you are listening for free, thank you for listening there. No matter where you're listening, we appreciate it. But if you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, please do rate, review, and subscribe. If you take uh, advantage of the, uh, the Athletic subscription, you will be able to hear our Friday subscribers-only update to the show, That With Me and Derek Van Riper. Also want to point out to you all that we are in college basketball season now. We just launched our first national college basketball show Happy to say that I get to produce that one. It is called Miles Moore Madness with former Nebraska coach Tim Miles and our own C.J. Moore, one of the uh, writers in our great stable of college basketball writers and reporters. So please do check it out. We'll be coming at you twice a week, every week. We just had our debut show on Tuesday. So check it out then. Show number two will be coming to you on Friday. Again, Miles Moore Madness. And with all that out the way, now we can talk week 14 fantasy football playoff rankings starting at the running back position and the first guy I want to talk about is Jamal Williams uh Jake I I was pretty surprised to see you have him up at RB 23 I understand Packers major favorites at home against Washington they are laying nearly two touchdowns in this game Jamal Williams does have double digit carries in each of Green Bay's last three games we'll start with you on this one Jake Uh, is this just something where you're expecting a combination of that and a blowout where he gets a lot of work alongside Aaron Jones. We have talked about backup running backs being able to have good games against bad defenses. How much of that is at play here? Well, we're talking about the fact that also people feel really good about starting both Browns running backs, both Seahawks running backs. Why not both Packers running backs? And honestly, the last two games, Jamal Williams is the better running back. And actually, three of the last four games, Jamal Williams is the better running back outside of going ham with those three touchdowns to Aaron Jones, which I faced that week too. Uh, Outside of that one, you know, it's Jamal Williams has been the better running back, fantasy purposes-wise. You guys know this. I said at the beginning of the season I didn't like Aaron Jones because of how the Packers treat him, and I've always said that I believe he's the most talented running back on this backfield and will be best in a per-touch basis, but the per-touches is my problem with it. And, you know, in the last four games, I mean, we have 9, 13, 13, and 15 touches, and, you know, now – I still have Aaron Jones higher because it's a great matchup, and I think this is where he can rebound, but I'm not going to push Jamal Williams down because Jamal Williams has been the reliable one. Yeah, it's just a little bit high for me. I mean, I I, I still think that, uh, you know, you're capping the touches at around a dozen. Um, you know, he's scored pretty much all of his touchdowns through the air. The Redskins have given up two receiving touchdowns to running backs this year. They faced a lot of really good uh, receiving running backs, too. Christian McCaffrey caught less than half of his targets uh, against this Redskins team. Uh, James White didn't put up huge numbers. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Jamal Williams typically when – I'm ranking him as okay, maybe not a great bet for a touchdown. Uh, I would, I could see this being like the Aaron Jones three or four touchdown game, uh, while they maybe still split, still split the touches uh, somewhat evenly. Um, so, I don't know. 
I, I'm not there, very far away from you. I just couldn't, uh, you know, rationalize. I think there's a lot of decent uh, running back plays in the 20s this week, and I just couldn't rationalize Jamal Williams all the way up into an RB2 class. Yeah, you do have him at RB27. I agree with you, Brandon. When I was going through Jake's rankings and building this show, thought there were a lot of names that I felt pretty good about in the 20s. We're going to talk about a bunch of them here, uh, including our next guy. It's Miles Sanders. Uh, the Eagles playing Monday night football against the Giants. Eight and a half point favorite. Sanders coming off uh, his best game of the season a week ago in a loss to the Dolphins. 17 carries for 83 yards. Caught all five of his targets for 22 yards and a touchdown. That is something that my home league team, Superflex, with Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders, has been waiting for for 13 weeks. So I was happy to get it uh, a week ago. Hopefully I can get another one of those in this game. Uh, Jake, you're at RB26. Brandon at RB21. I'm going to go back to Jake first because, uh, Jake, I'm guessing that your RB26 ranking as we sit here on Wednesday assumes a Jordan Howard return. Is that right? Yeah, and it's actually not going to go much higher, even if Jordan Howard's out, because for everything that Brandon was saying about the pass catching for Jamal Williams, well, guess what team doesn't really give up much for pass catching running backs this year? The Giants, surprisingly. And there's been one running back the entire year who topped 50-something yards against them, and that was Dalvin Cook, who went 6-6. Six six. They've given up zero receiving touchdowns to running backs this year and they're actually somewhat decent against the run in general it's more so they're getting beat up in the passing game for that secondary but they, they've been respectable and I said they've not only been respectable that pass catching running backs but and that's part of where Miles Sanders gets his values as we've been saying this about him for a while now is you know yeah okay so okay numbers even disappointing at time running the ball might be like three yards a carry but he'll make it up in the passing game well this actually isn't the matchup for that so that, that's why I don't he'll move higher but it's not he's probably not I, I guarantee he's not going to get to the top 15 for me yeah, I you know what I'm I'm kind of ranking him like I don't really expect Jordan Howard to play, and so and once I get official confirmation, I have him ranked 21st. Uh, when I get official confirmation, I might move him just inside my top 20. Um, but I, I you know I really like this this Philly offensive line, their ability. You know, Jordan Howard was getting good yards per carry. His numbers, Miles Sanders starting to turn it out on the ground, and so I don't know that he has to you know be a stud in the passing game to make him. A, a sort of back end RB two. I think he can get some work done on the ground and he is athletic enough that he might be able to make a play in the passing game, even against a team that's been pretty good at shutting down those receiving running backs. I look at Miles Sanders a little bit more than just a receiving running back. Got to be encouraged by the fact that he really has dominated the touches out of the backfield with Jordan Howard out uh, those 17 carries for 83 yards last week against Miami. Uh, jump off the page when you look up and down at Miles Sanders game logs this season. So if Jordan Howard does indeed miss another game because of his shoulder injury, Miles Sanders, we at least have to assume, would handle the bulk of the work for Philadelphia. Again, eight and a half point favorites against a tougher than expected Giants run defense Monday night football. Let's talk mile or excuse me, just talk miles. Let's talk David Montgomery. You guys must have the, uh, the rookie running back thing uh, that both these guys shared this season in my head. We got a bit of a divergence of opinion uh, as we sit here on Wednesday, Jake at RB 17, Brandon at RB 25. Now this one probably not going to move too much given that the bears and Cowboys play on Thursday night football, back-to-back -back Thursday games for these two teams that played on Thanksgiving. David Montgomery, plenty of opportunities, pretty much every single game. He's had 15 carries or targets or more, or carries and targets, excuse me, or more uh, in all but three games 
this season, uh, but he's been pretty touchdown dependent. I'm going to start with you here, Brandon. Uh, that, that volume is pretty nice, and it's pretty locked in. Why do you have him just outside the RB2 class? I mean, look, we're, what, 14, this is going into the 14th week. I, I think it's time to call a spade a spade. And in terms of fantasy points per game and half-point PPR, among running backs that have played at least eight games is RB, I believe, 28. And so I've ranked him RB 25. I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking at this matchup and I'm saying, is this, a, you know, is this, a, is this a good matchup? Is this a bad matchup? It's probably somewhere in between. Uh, so this to me is kind of like just a normal David Montgomery week. And I don't know why. I mean, how many times has David Montgomery finished as high as RB 17 this year? Maybe two, three times. And it's definitely been touchdown dependent. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm going to rank him as he, as who he is. To me, this matchup is I'm sort of like down the middle with it. I'm just saying this is going to be a typical David Montgomery day. And for Jake, clearly he's baking in a touchdown expectation here with that RB 17 ranking. Oh, RB 17 has actually eclipsed that four times. So to answer your question, Ooh, and, burn. Yeah, 30, so is it 33% of the time? <laughs> so two out of three games, he it doesn't reach this level. I'm just saying. No, like, but I, I, don't, probably, I don't think you're also, I mean, you're, I would assume you're not baking in also with a workload for every single game as being equitable and the Cowboys can beat against the run. And that's just coming off the game that he looked really good against the lions. And now the lions are definitely a weaker pat or run defense, but you know, look, he's getting the volume and that you can't say that about a lot of running backs and I'm not going to play this game. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying it out there with these RB two slash threes of these backfields like the Bucks and the Chiefs and the Colts and going down this list. I'll take the guy that I know is going to get 18 touches every single time. And he's going to get you like 70 yards with or without the touchdown. I just feel like he's got a pretty low ceiling yardage wise with this offense. And this is like a, this is like a 42 point over under. I think it's going to be a slog. I, I, you know, I don't see there being a whole lot of offense. I, I, and it's an early game. I just, I want nothing to do with, with Chicago bears this week. at all. <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm sitting about, I don't know, maybe eight miles uh, north of soldier <laughs> field as we speak. Uh, really not going to be that bad of weather for uh, December 5th in Chicago. It's going to be cold, but not uh, crazy cold and no snow, any precipitation in the forecast. Uh, so a game between two, six and six teams, both teams desperate for this win Thursday night football, Bears and Cowboys. Let's move on to another uh, NFC running back, that being Darius Geis. Uh, we've got Jake at RB35, a number that uh, jumped out at me for negative reasons. Brandon at RB24. We saw Geis's ceiling on full display last week, 10 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jake, uh, what makes you so low on Geis coming into this game? I think it's like I want Brandon to explain it because you just talked about the touches and what Darius guys I was the biggest one of if not the biggest fan of his going into this season I have way too much of him and similar to Aaron Jones but he's not he's not going to get more than a dozen touches we've seen that in every single game so you want to talk about baking in a touchdown I just that's you kind of have to and I, I don't know that that's a better bet for somebody that's going to get six to seven fewer touches. Well, first of all, like the Packers haven't been good against the run. Uh, Darius Geis, we're just assuming that after last week, I don't know that we can assume that after a 10 carry 129 yard rushing day that he's just going to get another 10 carries. I mean, at some oh, point. Oh, 100%. Our, I, I will take that to the bank. I'll make that bet right now. The Redskins aren't going to give him 20 touches with him in his injury. Oh, I, I'm not saying that, but th is he not going to get 13, 14, 15 carries? Like, I'm just wondering, like, what's he did the it the week before and didn't get more. He actually did it the week before and got less touches. 
what what's the difference in in workload expectation between Jamal Williams and Darius guys? I I, I don't see it. Like they're pretty much like on a level. I, I think you could say. Guys with maybe two to three catches is probably around a 15-touch guy this week, and I think Jamal Williams is about the same. I, I just think the guys, he's looking good. He's looking like the more talented back. I mean, he's making explosive plays, um, and it's not a super tough matchup. And I have him ranked in the, right in the same neighborhood. You have him ranked like this this wide divide. I don't get it. Because the ceiling for Geis is 13 touches. The floor for Jamal Williams is 13 touches. That's the difference. This is what the ranking show is all about, I, I, right here, you guys. Yeah, I, I, I think it's crazy to assume that he's not going to get incrementally increases, especially with the way I he's just said he he they, did more the week before and got less touches. So why would it go up now? Because he did it again. Uh, because we are like four four games left in the year, and Washington needs to know if this guy can actually handle a workload going into the off season, or if he's just a ten carry running back. Uh, can he can he go fifteen carries and? And not get hurt. Uh, these are these are questions they probably need answered. So uh, I don't think it's just going to be uh, ten carries week in and week out the rest of the way. It might be close, but I think he's going to get a few more. This is one that game script could potentially work against him. We haven't seen him get a ton of work as a receiver. Did break that forty-five yard receiving touchdown uh, two weeks ago, I believe. Three games ago was uh, that was uh, for Washington. Uh, this game, Washington thirteen point underdogs going to Green Bay uh, Packers. One of the biggest, actually the biggest favorite on the board this week, tied with their NFC North mates, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, who are hosting the Detroit Lions. One more running back I want to talk about here. It's actually a, a running back situation more than it is one player in Kansas City for the time being. Uh, we're going to assume that Damian Williams and Darrell Williams both out. Darrell Williams almost certainly will be out. Damian Williams, Chiefs are holding out some hope for with his rib injury, but another one that uh, as we uh, are here on Wednesday, I would bet against playing. So we've got Darwin Thompson and LaShawn McCoy in Kansas City. You guys are not only very close on these two guys, but you are very close on where you are. So you both have uh, Darwin Thompson and LaShawn McCoy somewhere in that low to mid-30s range. Uh, Jake, you are a little bit higher on Thompson than McCoy. Brandon, basically the same. Last week, we saw McCoy uh, get five carries for 10 yards and a touchdown, caught three uh, balls for 20 yards. Uh, Darwin Thompson had 11 carries for 44 yards. Uh, we'll start with you on this one, Jake. Uh, how do you sort this out at all? Is this something where you're just uh, like a wing and a prayer if you have one of them and are starting them, or is there something where you can favor one over the other? I was by my rank is I would favor Darwin Thompson. And it's mostly because once everything started breaking and I mean like multiple players, he was the one getting more opportunities down the stretch of that game when McCoy was still fine. And they keep playing this whole, we're going to rest McCoy nonsense for the playoffs. Like this is the NBA, whichever, whatever that's going on with, maybe he's masking an injury. He doesn't want to tell us about, but that's really what it's about is the touches. I honestly look, well, Sean McCoy is going to be the one that probably has a better chance for a touchdown given the use inside the 10, but the touches for me outweigh it with Darwin. And I think on a per like play basis for big plays and stuff like that, you're looking at Darwin Thompson too. So that, that that's why I'm just not going to well, Sean McCoy. I'm going to go back to the whole thing. I mean, you just mentioned it five carries. Yeah. I, look at it. I mean, if, to be honest here, I, I would prefer to not have to make a choice on either of these guys this week that they would in my first round of the playoffs, not be guys that I have to lean. I have McCoy a little bit higher just because, you know, these teams have faced each other recently. The, you know, the back that uh, Damian Williams and, and Kareem Hunt put up big receiving numbers against these Patriots. Um, 
pretty similar personnel overall. And so I'm leaning to the guy that uh, would be that guy in the passing game more likely. Darwin Thompson, you know, he hasn't been used a whole lot, but he hasn't really done anything in the passing game yet either. LaShawn McCoy, we've seen him, you know, pop in that department a little bit. So I'm kind of hedging a little bit on the McCoy side, just that maybe he'll, you know, get something done in the passing game that equates a little bit better than when Darwin Thompson gets out on the ground. Yeah, one of the marquee games of the week for sure. One of the marquee games perhaps of the season. Maybe we see this matchup again uh, a month or so from now, maybe five weeks. Uh, Chiefs and Patriots in New England. Patriots, small favorites in that game. Chris Meany and I both had pretty strong takes on that game in our episode of Best on the Board that should be up and available for you in just a few hours on Wednesday. So if you're listening this Wednesday night or Thursday, it'll definitely be up for you. One more running back topic. That is a guy who we're willing to take a chance on. Week 14 playoffs. Brandon, you go first here. A running back you will trust in playoff lineups this week. Oh, look, I'm not going to go too deep because I don't want to throw some flyer out probably most people are a little bit more into first world problems at this point so um i would say cream hunt i you know like i said it's not too deep i haven't actually ranked 22nd this week uh getting a regular 12 13 14 touches you're going against cincinnati the matchup's great um and you know he's eating into nick chubb's work a little, little bit if they get ahead um this is something where maybe you see a little bit more uh, Kareem Hunt. So he scored in each of his last two. I feel pretty good about him if he gets his usual 12 to 15 touches. That kind of seems like where they're settling in with him at. Yeah, I'm with Brandon. The fact that you know, I'm not going to recommend going too deep in the first round of the playoffs. I, I can't imagine you're in the playoffs and have to go that deep. I mean, if you want maybe like Alexander Madison, even if Dalvin Cook plays, just because they're probably going to get smart and start giving Madison like the Kareem Hunt treatment for the Browns just to keep Cook healthy. They are a playoff team. So to go a little bit higher, I'll say Devontae Freeman. And, I, you know, this is somebody that people dropped. And that's why I think he's in the conversation to take a chance on because you look at the Panthers' run defense. It's I've been kind of targeting this a lot with people to take a chance on. And they were worse and worse and worse. They lost on Terry Poe. And then that's just what happened with guys on Adrian Peterson and few touches for both of them. And the one thing I will say that was telling is Devontae Freeman was on the field for two-thirds of the snaps in his first game back. So that's telling me that they're fine with Devontae Freeman capitalizing that workload as he should because the rest of the running backs on this team have been trash <laughs> yeah absolutely uh it's uh we were all enamored of brian hill right just a few weeks ago uh the big fab guy and uh, did not come through Devonte freeman back in control of that atlanta backfield injuries that you're going to want to watch the next couple of days uh shoulder seems to be the uh, big injury this uh season right we always talk about it in, in baseball uh we had shoulder impingement uh you know oblique injuries there's always an injury du jour uh, in the baseball world, well, this year in football seems to be shoulder. Dalvin Cook, James Conner, and Jordan Howard all dealing with shoulder injuries of varying degrees of seriousness. Matt Breida trying to make his way back from an ankle injury. Marlon Mack was at practice in a limited fashion for the Colts on Wednesday, so that is potentially good news with his broken hand. And as I mentioned earlier, Damian Williams with the rib issue that could land more food on the plate of Darwin Thompson and LaShawn McCoy against the Patriots. Let's move on to wide receivers. Guys, you just mentioned it, right? You're not going to be uh, taking too many deep chances. Most likely, if you're in the playoffs, you've probably got a pretty strong roster. And the wide receivers we're going to talk about reflect that reality. I, I want to start with a couple of guys who certainly are starting, no matter where you have them. The two Cleveland Browns receivers, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Uh, the reason why I want to talk about them, you guys both have them both as comfortable wide receiver twos, but... 
uh, it's almost topsy-turvy world in Cleveland, right? The rise of Jarvis, the fall of Odell. Jarvis Landry leads this Cleveland team in all meaningful uh, receiving statistics. We'll start with you on this one, Jake. Uh, obviously, I know you're starting both of them, but is there any explaining why Landry's been the Browns receiver on top this season for you? Yeah, I mentioned it before. Uh, I thought I thought we talked about it on the show when I did the show with D'Angelo Williams. And he said that in practice, the likely thing you're doing is you got a quarterback who's told on third and whatever and this and whatever, Odell Beckham's going to be double covered. And being a young quarterback with inexperience, he kind of tunes Odell Beckham out. And then in the game, it carries over. And that was the point. He's like, when you have Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton, they don't make that mistake. So I think that's part of it. And he said it's going to take you know this team rectifying it in practice and encouraging Baker to look at him more. Well, the fact is he's just... He hasn't even needed to look at him more because he's had such a reliable target with Jar- Jarvis Landry, and I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, it's kind of turned into pretty much like the Bills. Like, the reliable target's been Cole Beasley. The bigger play opportunity has been John Brown. Now, John Brown's actually been more productive than Odell Beckham, but just kind of like a similar situation. I think Baker Mayfield, just for his struggles this year, just feels comfortable with Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I have I have Landry one spot ahead of Beckham, so just slightly higher on OBJ than than Jake. But I, you know, I can see that there is a guy named B.W. Webb in the in the Bengals secondary that's been awful this year, and I think there's a decent amount of time where uh, Beckham will be lined up against him, and if he gets double double covered again, um, you know, that's why I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Landry as well. But I think both of these guys can be very is, good. Is that and, a revenge and, name narrative? Former teammates with the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I, you know what I keep, we keep laughing those, we keep throwing those, that label out there each week. There's somebody going against their former team and we laugh about it. And then it turns out they end up having a big game. So that's no, it does it know, we, one third of the time. Don't, 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 we laugh about that with Landry, it. like the Le, 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 Le revenge narrative and he ended up having a great game. So, um, but you know, Beckham's maybe, you know, maybe the most talented receiver in the league is right up there. So I, you still got to give him the nod for that. And for the fact that uh, in a good matchup, he could have a big player too. And you don't want to miss out on that. So you can't rank him outside of startable range. He's got to be there along with Landry, even though Landry has been outperforming him. Unquestionably. That is true. And uh, yeah, both these guys shaping up well against the Cincinnati Bengals Browns, eight and a half point favorites at home against their in state rivals. Let's talk about a receiver who has let people down significantly over the last uh, couple of weeks. It's Tyler Lockett last three games, uh, just four catches for Tyler Lockett, nine targets, 64 yards, put up a goose egg. Even with Seattle scoring 37 points on Monday night in Week 13 against the Vikings, believe he had just three targets in that game. He did have the shin injury, a very scary issue a couple of weeks ago, but it hasn't cost him any playing time. All he missed in that particular game was uh, the overtime period for Seattle. Uh, Jaker at wide receiver 25. Brandon, you were down at wide receiver 34 on Lockett. Now, that still puts you both in wide receiver three range, but Brandon, do you have any lingering concerns related to Tyler Lockett right now? Yeah, that shin injury uh, was against San Fran. We weren't expecting big numbers against San Fran. No one's really putting up numbers uh, against the 49ers. But you have to wonder. I mean, he's had a bye. Uh, You've had a good matchup against Philly. And then Minnesota's secondary has not been good this year either. And he has one catch combined in those two games. I don't think you could ignore that injury. I think there's a decent chance that he's playing at something well less than 100% right now. And uh, this matchup isn't great. If you, I mean, assuming he's out there like normal, he's probably drawing Jalen Ramsey. 
um, it, it, you know, it's a decent chance. But either way, even when he was 100% healthy earlier in this year, he managed to score against the Rams, but he only had four targets, four catches, 50 yards. So I think the way things are trending right now, I mean, uh, I'd be very leer leery of playing him this week. I think he's kind of like you need to see Russell Wilson go back to him more than uh, the two and three times that we've seen the last couple games. We need to see him starting to make plays. I think he's kind of at a point now where if you can afford the luxury, you let him play himself off your bench during these fantasy playoffs. Yeah, still, I, I don't have much to say differently in the fact that I'm just not going to go that far with it because it's still Tyler Lockett. I just feel like when you get into this conversation of guys, it's either going to be a trust factor. And I mean, be honest with you, if we're starting Odell Beckham, I don't see how we're not starting Tyler Lockett unless we get report that it is injury because there were open times in that game. And one of those ones, I mean, Tyler Lockett even threw his hands up. We're like, hey, look at me. I'm over here. So maybe this is similar to Odell Beckham and Russell Wilson wasn't looking at him because he assumed he's not been 100 percent and kind of wrote him off in his mind. And he ends up being the second, third or fourth read for him. And maybe this gets back on track. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying. That opportunity there is why I'm, I'm not going to shy away too much. And you definitely should be concerned about Ramsey, but Ramsey's not going to be on him the entire time because Ramsey doesn't play the slot the entire game. Mm -hmm. So I just think there, if I'm going to chase people in this group and they're kind of like the low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three, I'm going to give it to the people that I know. And, you know, like I said, we haven't heard definitively that it is still the injury lingering, which it wouldn't surprise me to what Brandon said. But it's funny because I got, why do I hate Tyler Lockett at 25 and Brandon's down at 34? <laughs> uh, man. Brandon gets the uh, the hometown pass maybe on it. Yeah. <laughs> Too close to the situation uh, to, to uh, you know, pull his heart completely away right. from <laughs> there you go well hey we go from uh, one 10 and two uh, nfc west team to the other 10 and two nfc west team san francisco 49ers and debo samuel uh you guys in lockstep here jake at wide receiver 32 and brandon at wide receiver 31 a huge game with the 49ers going to new orleans to take on the saints and what could be a preview of the nfc championship game or just a big game in the nfc playoffs at some point along the way we saw debo samuel put up two straight 100 yard games uh since then he's had two big touchdown to, uh, scores uh, hasn't been uh, uh, really consistent in the yardage department he's lived on touchdowns over his last two games but we know that big playability is there for Debo Samuel every time he steps on the field it's a tough matchup and he does have Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle both out on the field something that wasn't necessarily true back in those 100 yard games uh, Jake we'll go to you here first uh, what drives your ranking down to him on wide receiver three I'm guessing there's some sort of TD dependence with both Sanders and Kittle healthy there is but on the positive side of things is I have Sanders behind them because it's not as bad as matchup for Debo as it is for Sanders who should get Marshawn Lattimore because Debo can exploit Eli Apple and move to the slot and definitely have a field day with one of the worst slot corners in the league in PJ Williams who's actually been bumped outside when Lattimore's been banged up or out if Lattimore you know Lattimore got banged up again it seems like he should be fine especially because it's carrying over of an extra couple days but I think that you look at it and I'm just gonna at this point you talk about banged up too it seems like Emmanuel Sanders still isn't 100% himself so I'm just gonna go with Debo Samuel but you're right in the fact that this is why he's in this range is because some of his biggest games come with a touchdown if not 60, he's kind of like Tyler Boyd. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, but this is kind of where Tyler Boyd should deserve to be, and everybody wants to put him higher. Well, the same type of player is Debo Samuel at this point. Yeah, I don't know if I have a whole lot to add. I have Debo higher than Sanders as well for the matchup. Uh, I think Debo's good at football. Give him a chance <laughs> to, to you know, make some kind of a play or multiple plays week in and week out. He'll have the 
the decidedly better matchup, but uh, this isn't a this is not a high ceiling kind of game for anybody on this 49ers offense. I think um, so. Yeah, it gets knocked a little bit because of the presence of Sanders and Kittle, but I still expect Samuel to be a guy that Garoppolo is going to be looking for. Um, and I, I don't, I feel a little bit better about him than I do about Lockett, but I think they're, you know, they're pretty close. Implied team total of 21 points for the 49ers in this game against the Saints again in New Orleans. New Orleans two and a half point favorites. Cole Beasley, one of those uh, one of those revenge games there, Brandon. Uh, last week coming up, a huge game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Uh, Cole Beasley now wide receiver 26 in half PPR leagues this season. Wide receiver 25 in full PPR. The Bills get a huge game, another great game on the slate this week. Bills at home hosting the Ravens. The Ravens five and a half point favorites in this one. Cole Beasley is a guy who we pretty much know what he is every single week, right? The floor is high. The ceiling might not be very high. That's reflected in your guys' rankings. Jake at 44 and Brandon at 39. Jake, going to start with you. I mean, what is really uh, the ceiling? I guess actually, let me ask you this. Is the floor (laughs) in some sort of doubt because of the matchup with Baltimore? I think that's the concern, but at the same time, it's just the floor is a little bit lower than it has been because Cole Beasley has been their most reliable option. But, you know, it's kind of in this whole conversation what we've been talking about so far is like to go back to even David Montgomery is like, okay, 67 yards, what if he doesn't score? And I think that's kind of really where Cole Beasley is, is Cole Beasley has been disrespecting the fantasy this year. And the good thing is, similar to the Patriots, Patriots and Ravens, the one area you can kind of do some work is in the slot. But I'm looking at this as saying, yeah, you know, for projections wise, we were just talking about before against the way that Baltimore has been playing since they've got Marcus Peters, even with that work in the slot, you know, this could be five catches, 60 yards. And if so, he's going to be like low end wide receiver three, high end wide receiver four. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, you know, you we say five touchdowns in the last seven games. Two of those games were, uh, you know, 16 and 13 yards and a touchdown. You know, so that kind of gives you pause. You say, oh, well, he's got a he's got a nice floor, but not a very high ceiling. And then he puts up 110 yards and a touchdown. I, like, like he just figures out a way to, to do something, you know, even earlier in the year against New England, seven catches, 75 yards, and one of the toughest pass defenses in the league. So he's kind of their grease man. I, I give him – I haven't ranked 39. I, I kind of in my head said, okay, I got to stop ranking this guy outside the top 40. He's almost always tucked inside the top 40 and sometimes much better than that. Uh, I'll give him a chance to, uh, you know, accumulate some catches in this game, put up, like Jake said, 50, 60 yards. You get lucky with another touchdown, uh, you know, good for you, but I, I wouldn't expect it. Just uh, just know that he's probably going to be a guy that's going to at least give you something. He's to me, wide receiver 39. He's in your consideration for your back end, you know, wide receiver three slash flex. Um, Don't love the matchup. Don't think he's going to have the upside he had against Dallas last week. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Jake kind of said what, what needs to be said on him. (laughs) Yeah. Why are uh, just 19 implied points for Buffalo, even though nine and three team playing at home, but that's uh, what the Baltimore Ravens have been able to do this season. And we're going to talk about Baltimore's defense and the turnaround since that Marcus Peters trade in just a little bit at another position. Let's wrap up wide receiver with Juju Smith Schuster. Now, first of all, we've got the knee injury here. Mike Tomlin saying he's likely going to be questionable. We've got a late start with uh, Pittsburgh going to Arizona. So there's the potential for some uh, roster blindness uh, when you are making your decision 
on Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, obviously, for the sake of conversation, we're going to assume that he plays. You guys both have him in the wide receiver three range, Jake at 29 and Brandon at 33. Brandon, I'll put this one to you first. Uh, Better, worse, or the same with Devlin Hodges compared with Mason Rudolph? I I think it's at least the same, if if not a little bit better. I mean, Pittsburgh decided that Hodges was a better quarterback. So, I mean, it should be better for Juju Smith-Schuster. I just, frankly, I didn't have him ranked until I read the script and saw that you had him on here. When, when uh, you know, Tomlin just comes out and says he's week to week, to me, that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to play this week. Um, you know, day-to-day gives me a little bit more optimism. So I, I kind of had James Washington in this spot. I mean, it's a good matchup. And um, so I, I, you know, I just plugged Juju Smith-Schuster in if, if he was going to be, play, be playing. And I have James Washington kind of right around the same area. But I would expect, uh, if I'm a betting man, that Juju doesn't play. So I wouldn't get my hopes up on him if he does play. Good matchup. Um, if Assuming that would make him healthy, I think he has mid to back end wide receiver uh, potential. Yeah, so all that being said, as of today, I would actually take him out of the rankings and... <laughs> To Brandon's point, I think Washington would be even a little bit higher for me. He's facing Arizona. He's been a top 15 or 16, I think. I forget the exact number, what it is, but over the past couple of weeks, he's now officially for me, even if Juju's out there, he's in the conversation of you need to start him every single week at this point. And I don't think Juju gives him that big of a hit to his value. Uh, he just makes him a little bit more big play dependent. But if you're talking about big plays, you're talking about a big play wide receiver, hey, Devlin Hodges doesn't care, throws it, as backups will do, and it's against the Cardinals. So uh, just to bring James Washington in this conversation, I think Juju would still probably be in this range if he suits up. But you, you here's the big thing as a sidebar. Don't wait if you don't have a backup plan. Right. Right, definitely. That late start, as we said, uh, could complicate matters for Juju Smith-Schuster. James Washington, uh, at least 90 yards and a touchdown in three of his last four games. The only guy in Pittsburgh who was really able to do anything in the short-lived Mason Rudolph era. Uh, Before we talk injuries, let's talk chances. Someone who you are willing to take a chance on in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four range here in week 14. Jake, we'll go to you first. Yeah, so James Washington was on the list. <laughs> I'll go to one more. <laughs> and from, hey, my alma mater, ODU, Zach Pascal. But here's the thing. Look, the problem with Zach Pascal is he's a zero floor. And, I mean, we've seen it the two games mm-hmm. prior to last week because it's something I've said on this show. On the other show, I think I've said it seven times this week, so people are tired of me saying it. But some wide receivers are not equipped to be number ones. And I talk about NFL number ones. I always use Randall Cobb 2015 as an example. Zach Pascal's two games before last week are an example. And I don't think last week tells us that he can be a number one. I just think the volume was there. But the volume was there. And if you're talking about a matchup, that should help. Well, you can't get much better than the Buccaneers. As bad as Nick Foles looked, what happened? Gardner Minshew comes in and goes bananas off of them. And you see all of a sudden all the wide receivers have decent days, two great days. And I think that's what you're looking at. If Pascal can get even eight targets plus in this game, which he should with no T.Y. Hilton, then, I mean, yeah, I think you got to take a shot on him as like a wide receiver 3-4. Yeah, I was actually going to mention Pascal, but uh, since you mentioned him, I guess I'll throw out Anthony Miller. Uh, I don't know if Taylor Gabriel is going to play, but Anthony Miller, just with all the targets he's been getting over the last few weeks, um, you look at this matchup against Dallas. You hate the short week. You hate Mitch Trubisky being the quarterback, but he has been targeting uh, Anthony Miller and and you know Jordan Lewis. the The Cowboys slot corner has not been good. You look at we just talked about Cole Beasley and the numbers he put up in the slot against Dallas and Julian Edelman the week before. You go back to Jamison Crowder. There's been a lot of slot receivers that have done well 
against this Dallas defense. So Anthony Miller getting a decent amount of run in the slot, I think can have another good game, especially if we continue to see this, the wealth of targets that he's been getting. It does sound like Taylor Gabriel is going to be out again with his concussion. He brings us into the injuries that we're going to be watching at the wide receiver position. Of course, T.Y. Hilton with his calf issue could open the door for more volume for Zach Pascal. Uh, Adam Thielen, still dealing with the hamstring injury, now has missed uh, all or most of the last five games for Minnesota, although that hasn't really complicated matters for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Julio Jones uh, has a shoulder injury of his own, kept him out of the Thanksgiving game against the Saints. Keep an eye on that one. Juju, as we talked about, still dealing with the knee, and it does look, uh, at least at this point, more likely that he sits than that he gets back in the lineup. A couple of Patriots, uh, Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett, dealing with their injuries. Still John Ross, uh, some good injury news, activated from IR by the Bengals, so maybe he makes his return to the field. Remember, he suffered that shoulder injury way back in like week three, four, something along those lines. We haven't seen him for a couple of months here, but he could get back on the field for the Bengals. And then Golden Tate also remains in concussion protocol for the New York Giants. Let's move on to the quarterback position. You guys, uh, this one actually came together quite nicely uh, for me as I was putting together the show because we've got four guys that you're basically going to trust week in, week out, who have very tough matchups this week. So those are the four who I want to talk about. The first is Thursday Night Football. It's Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's the other side <laughs> of that game. It's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys coming to Chicago to take on the Bears. Uh, I got this stat from our guy here at The Athletic who covers the Bears, Kevin Fishbane, off of Twitter earlier today. might have been yesterday. It doesn't really matter when it was because the stat is the stat regardless of when Kevin tweeted it. Uh, Cowboys have played uh, six games against bottom 11 defenses by DVOA. In those six games, uh, they have put up 7.4 yards per play and 32.2 points per game. Their other six games have come against top 10 defenses. In those six, uh, the Bear, or excuse me, uh, the Cowboys have put up 5.6 yards per play and just 19 and a half points per game. The Bears, eighth in DVOA, so they fall into that top 10 group. You guys both have Dak as a low-end QB1, Jake at 11, Brandon at 10. Jake, we'll start with you here first. Do you fear those trends that our uh, colleague Kevin Fishbane threw out there? Yeah, 100%. I think you should fear it. We talked about it earlier in the season, and it held true, and it continues, and it continues, and people are still like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, but look how good he can be, and people keep making excuses. This might actually be high. I mean, let's be honest about it, because, you know, going back to my APA, just at points allowed, which I've already done this week for you, Mike. Yes, thank you, thank you. the uh, league average for quarterbacks is 16.3. Well, if you adjust for the Bears, it's 12.6. That's almost four fewer points for the average quarterback performance that should be there. You take four points off Dak Prescott on an average week, and now you're down around basically what that number is, 12, 13 points. Not miserable, but not even a QB1. So this, like I said, this ranking might be high. I think the ranking of, at least I'm not going to speak to Brandon, but the only reason he is here is because the talent around him and what we see that he can do from times. Otherwise, he's been better at home, better indoors, and better against terrible teams. So again, this might be too high. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, you said a lot of the same things that I'm I'm worried about, I but I kind of come back to, Deshaun Watson about how low you can go with guys that are just uh, that have that kind of talent. I mean, I think Watson's a more talented quarterback than Prescott, but they're not like so far apart. Prescott can run the ball. He's, he's got a good arm. He's got great weapons. Um, 
And we have a couple quarterbacks in Daniel Jones and David Blau that have done decent against Chicago the last two weeks. Those guys uh, are not, you know, they're not the guys that we care about. And, uh, you know, they were, they managed all right through a couple touchdowns apiece. I just think, you know, can Dak Prescott get 250 yards, a couple touchdowns, and maybe run for 30? That probably gets him pretty close to where we need to get him here. Uh, so, you know, back in QB1 is as far as I'm going to go with Dak Prescott in pretty much any matchup. Uh, I, but I do recognize that there is the certain potential for him to maybe come up a little bit short of where I'm ranking him. Yeah, well, a little bit more than 24 hours from the time that we are saying what we're saying about Dak Prescott. We'll see if he can break uh, those trends against good defenses uh, on the road, cold weather with the Cowboys playing the Bears on Thursday night football at Soldier Field. The next quarterback with a tough matchup this week is Kyler Murray, Cardinals hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers ranked third in Football Outsiders DVOA overall, fifth against the pass. We've seen Kyler be up and down against good defenses. He had one good game against San Francisco through the air, one bad game against him, struggled uh, against New Orleans, struggled against the Rams last week. Uh, I'm going to go to Jake uh, back-to-back first uh, because, Jake, you also have Pittsburgh uh, as your number one defense this week. I know we don't talk a ton of defense here on the ranking show, but you've got uh, Pittsburgh as the number one defense, Kyler Murray for the time being as QB12. Uh, any cognitive dissonance there, or how much are you concerned about Pittsburgh's defense, uh, the matchup for Kyler Murray? Um, actually, it was quite concerned. Uh, the, the one thing I'll look at is the only game I'll compare to this is Lamar Jackson. And I'll compare it for a lot of reasons because what did they do to Lamar Jackson? Intercepted him three times, held him to 161 in a touchdown passing, but he ran for 70 yards at 14 attempts. You know, I'm looking at this game and I'm looking at this backfield and I'm saying, Kenyon Drake, David Johnson should just be done at this point. You know, Chase Edmonds didn't even touch the field or if he did, he didn't touch the ball. So you're looking at last week and saying, you know, this could be a Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray game. You know, he's not on the Lamar Jackson pace of rushing, but he's not far behind. And that's why Kyler Murray can still be a fringe QB one. The Steelers can still be the number one defense. You can still have a bad performance from Kyler Murray, but still get that QB one number because 19 points for Lamar Jackson for that 70 rushing yards. That's almost two touchdowns if he would have had 10 more rushing yards. And, you know, you get 50, 60 from Kyler Murray. You know, all he has to do is throw one touchdown, even with a turnover or two, and he'll finish in this spot. So that's why, you know, for the people out there, now I don't want to be the one who says, you know, I'm going to start the Steelers and the Kyler Murray on my same team because that's, <laughs> you know, you're kind of you're cutting off your own nose type of thing. But I think that's that's how this adds up. Yeah, and, and we know in, in, in leagues, interceptions don't hurt fantasy quarterbacks a lot. And Kyler Murray hasn't thrown a lot of them. And we've seen him put up good numbers against San Francisco, tough defense in Baltimore. He threw for 349 yards. And, you know, I think you could argue that outside of Lamar Jackson, he's the second most dangerous rushing quarterback in the league. Maybe Josh Allen's in that in that mix, but he's right there. And so you can't drop the, the, the floor on him too far. I mean, you talked about Dak. Talk about Kyler Murray and, and, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Josh Allen next. All these guys, I just can't push them too far down because they can make plays in the running game and they can make plays in the passing game. And, you know, even against good defenses, you just have better odds of something good happening uh, than your traditional pocket quarterback. So uh, for me, you know, Kyler Murray is, I think, number six, depending on the, the scoring system, is top six, top seven overall for the year. I'm downgrading him for the matchup, but I just can't go much farther than 11, 12 uh, in terms of a downgrade. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Certainly more fair than you uh, stealing the little thunder I get on this show and introducing the uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about, <laughs> but uh, definitely a fair ranking uh, of Kyler Murray, uh, given what he has done this season. Let's talk about Josh Allen, another guy, another, like I said, has really came into place quite nicely uh, for uh, someone putting a show together because the Bills are hosting the Baltimore Ravens this week. Jake, you mentioned uh, a little earlier when we were talking about Cole Beasley, uh, how much improved this Baltimore secondary has been since getting Marcus Peters in that trade with the Rams. Well, they made that trade the same week they got Jimmy Smith back. So you had both of those guys rejoined the side. He has rejoined for Smith, joined for Peters, the Baltimore defense in the same week. It was week nine. Since then, here's what this defense has done. Gave up 20 points to the Patriots and just a complete domination. 13 to the Bengals, seven to the Texans. The Texans, seven points, six to the Rams, and then 17 to the 49ers last week. Each of those games, a win for the Baltimore Ravens. Jake, you are at QB 15 on uh, uh, Josh Allen. Brandon, you are at QB 13 on Josh Allen. I'm going to go to you first on this one, Brandon. Uh, again, I guess it's the same question, just sub out the names. How concerned are you uh, for Josh Allen in this matchup? If you've been riding him all season, are you willing to trust him this week? Yeah, again, you get to those rushing numbers, eight rushing touchdowns in 12 games. He's almost, you know, he's almost, you know, he's better odds to score a touchdown on the ground than not. Um, he's got a big arm. He's like built like Ben Roethlisberger, but he's mobile. And so, it, you got to like, you can't look at him like a traditional quarterback where, oh, yeah, you know, Baltimore gets after the quarterback and guaranteed, you know, he's going to have to throw the ball away. This is a guy that can buy time. And so, even when you have a really talented secondary, when you got a guy like Josh Allen that can get out of the pocket, has a big arm, you got to factor in the expectation this is not going to be normal that maybe he can make some big plays, you know, in playground style of play. And that's what Josh Allen does. And he's got guys in John Brown. Uh, they can get deep and he's got the grease guy and, and Cole Beasley and they can run the ball well. And uh, so you just, can't, again, you can't go too far down the ladder on Josh Allen because of his ability to make plays because of his ability to run. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to is we keep talking about these running quarterbacks and the, the free touchdowns and all that type of stuff. And, you know, my feelings and I've said this all along for Josh Allen's career is he's essentially Cam Newton and Cam Newton, some of his worst performances still saves his day with the rushing yards Another good comparison would be Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor never had the ceiling that Josh Allen did. He's just 15 points every single week, 15, 15, 15. Oh, look, 20, but 15, 15 every single week. So I think that's what you're looking at here. And the biggest thing for me is we all looked at the schedule and said, oh, my God, the Bills had the worst schedule. Like, talk about the playoffs, talk about the players. He looked good, and he was good fantasy-wise against the Denver Broncos. So I know the Ravens are even worse, and to the, your point – Mike is 10.2, the lowest APA for quarterbacks. So that's extremely scary. But at least, you know, again, he looked good against Denver, and Denver is up at 14.3. So only four points difference. Yeah, well, uh, our last quarterback does not have that mobility to fall back on. Uh, not, not at any point of his career did Drew Brees have that mobility to fall <laughs> back on, but certainly not uh, in his 40s. Does he have that? And uh, we already talked about this matchup. Should be a very fun game between the Saints and the 49ers in New Orleans this week. Uh, this 49ers defense, uh, second in DVOA, first against the pass. They, uh, for the most part, right? I mean, held Lamar Jackson in check. Uh, obviously, Lamar did what he does on the ground, but uh, it's not like he was able to throw all over this, uh, this defense a week ago. Uh, Drew Brees going to have his work cut out for him, even in a home game against this 49ers defense. The best teams or the best quarterback performances against San Francisco have been those mobile guys. Lamar, mm -hmm. Kyler Murray had a good game against him. Russell Wilson 
had a good game against them. Uh, Jake, you're at QB 16 on Drew Brees and Brandon at QB 12. Jake, uh, is there any way, and is there any way is a bad way to put it, but how <laughs> does he outperform uh, this QB 16 mark that you have for him right now? Well, so if we're talking three years ago, Drew Brees would be in my top 10 because there's no question about it. The biggest thing back then that I hated was, oh, he stinks on the road. He's great at home. No, he was just a fantasy god at home, and he's just really good on the road. There's just a discrepancy of that. And so, but he's not that anymore because this, he doesn't need to be that anymore. And this team doesn't need him to be that anymore with Alvin Kamara and, you know, even that they're using Latavius Murray inconsistently. Just the the use that he has there. And he quite probably arguably doesn't have the weapons that he did back then because as great as Michael Thomas is, you had Marquise Colson and the rest that were there, and arguably slightly better, especially to include Jimmy Graham. So I say all that to say, you brought up what was going to be my point, is that three straight games was 30 yards to Kyler Murray, 50 to Russell Wilson, 67 to Kyler Murray. They dominated and shut down and destroyed Aaron Rodgers. He completed 20 passes for 104 yards. That's embarrassing. Uh, Lamar Jackson, they pretty much dominated him. He had almost the same exact stat line as Aaron Rodgers, but 100 yards rushing and the touchdown. So Drew Brees isn't going to run, and Drew Brees is going to have to do it through the air, and I don't know that, one, he needs to, and two, that he can. So I'm I'm obviously going to be the low one on Drew Brees for probably, like, it seems, most of the industry this week. Yeah, we're not too far apart. I mean, I'm 12, you're 16. Right. Uh, I see the, the worries. I, I mean, he is. you do like him better at home. Uh, they had the weird anomaly game against the Falcons where they couldn't protect him, but they seem to have gotten that taken care of. He's only been sacked three times in the last three games. He's averaging 335 yards at home. you got Jared Cook kind of rolling right now, and I know your feelings on Jared Cook, but the guy has been consistent for the last few weeks. Uh, I think with Michael Thomas, with Alvin Kamara, with Jared Cook, they got weapons. They could work. I think the thing about Breeze is, you know, he's a he's a quick drop, precise passer, and so you know, San Francisco hasn't played a bunch of quarterbacks like that. Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, he still is a guy that likes to kind of get out get out of the pocket and improvise a little bit. And they've been really good with those quarterbacks so far. We'll see on the road, you know, in a in a big game in a in a crazy environment if they can hold up uh, as good as they've been against a quarterback like Drew Brees, who's been very accurate, who will get the ball out quickly and who has weapons uh, that can hurt them. So I, I, I think he's not going to have a great game, but I can still see him doing serviceable against this great 49ers defense. Tough matchups for four guys that we typically don't have to think about too much in the fantasy world. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and Drew Brees. We will see soon what all those guys are able to bring to the table in the first week of the fantasy playoffs. What can some guys that we don't talk about for other reasons bring to the table uh, in the first round of the fantasy playoffs? Uh, Brandon, why don't you go first, a quarterback that you're willing to take a chance on in week 14? Yeah, I'll take the low-hanging fruit in Ryan Tannehill, who was you know 36% owned in Yahoo Leagues going into this week. I haven't ranked sixth this week going against Oakland. He's been a top-five fantasy quarterback uh, since he's taken over as the starter in, in Tennessee. And he, you know, he brings, you know, maybe not as obvious to some people, but he brings the rushing ability that we like and we've been talking about on this show so far with some of these other quarterbacks. And you look at three of his last four games, he's been over 35 rushing yards. He has three rushing uh, touchdowns in that span. So he raises his floor because of that, but he's been throwing the ball pretty well and he's got a great matchup against Oakland uh, to continue to throw the ball well. So uh, I think, you know, he's, he's a guy I like better than a whole lot of big name uh, quarterbacks this week. Yeah. So you took mine. So I'll pivot off to a, <laughs> another one and I'll go to the New York game because did you hear the news? 
No, I'm not going to eat yeah. right now. I'm, no, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> if you want to lose your fantasy playoffs, if you want to lose, consider Eli Manning for your fantasy playoffs. By the way, a big downgrade to Darius Slayton because Eli Manning already couldn't throw the deep ball, let alone good grief. In any case, no, I'm actually, I'm seriously going to a New York game. I'm just going to the other one. I'm going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick. Again, Sam Darnold is in that conversation, but I, what did I tell you guys last week? I ranked Sam Darnold high. I said he's going to burn me because I'm finally on board. And what happened? Sam Darnold burned he everybody. He's he is now you. in worst place. I know he says QB whatever in my rankings. That's not really there. For me, personally, he's QB 32. I would start Dwayne Haskins. Screw that guy. So Eli. I, you start Eli over him. I would. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, in that game. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know this. He's going to keep throwing the ball. He's going to keep throwing the ball. He's going to keep throwing the ball. How do you beat the Jets at this point? They're actually a good run defense, and you beat them through the air, which is very easy to do. He's you know, lighting it up every single week. Devontae Parker has finally taken four years to be that number one wide receiver. And I have no problem. If Ryan Fitz puts it this way, I know Sam Darnold's a spot or two higher in my ranks that I think off the top of my head. And those are initial projections. I might move him on purpose just to put Fitzpatrick in front of Darnold. Well, let me tell you Darnold. something. I, I love hearing that because uh, in that home league, I referenced uh, early in the show, um, super flex. I'm definitely starting Carson Wentz. And my other quarterback decision is exactly that one. Darnold versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, nice. I think you're helping me make my decision right there. Long. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. If Plus I'm totally blaming you. Beard. Would that be great? Yeah, Sam Darnold puts up 25 and Fitzpatrick throws four interceptions. No, that would be terrible. That would be horrible. (laughs) I I would not like that one bit, Jake. And I don't think you would either, actually. No, I definitely, 100% would. But it's that look, it's that time of year. I'll put it this way: somebody got raged and triggered on the Pat Mayo show when I talked about nicknames. Was upset with one of the nicknames. I was like, if this isn't encapsulating 2019, I don't know what else is. Oh, uh, that's exactly right. That's perfect. That's exactly uh, what we uh, what we have at this uh, perfect way, right, to uh, put a bow on 2019 now that we are into December. Uh, the injuries you're going to want to watch this week, Baker Mayfield uh, was limited in practice today because of his hand issue. Uh, Freddie Kitchen's still sounding, though, like he expects Baker to play. Matthew Stafford, we got to put him on here, but I would be surprised if he were able to get back from that back injury. And Sam Darnold, uh, our favorite guy here, uh, has a knee injury. Again, sounds like he's going to be able to play. Uh, but just we put it out there because, hey, it's Wednesday. DVR, DVR and I will circle back to all these guys when we update this show on Friday. One last position to hit on before we call it a show. That is the tight end position. Going to do things a little bit differently, however, this time around. I uh, checked all three of the major uh, fantasy operators where most people play their games, Yahoo, CBS, and ESPN. The following guys are all 62% or more owned in all three of those services. Uh, Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz, Hooper, Henry, Waller, Mark Andrews, Jack Doyle, Jared Cook, Goddard, Greg Olson. All those guys, 62% or more owned in Yahoo, CBS, ESPN. What I'm saying is that if they are, if you have them, you are almost for sure playing them. Maybe you have two of them, but almost for sure those guys are going to be played wherever they are owned. So we're just going to jump straight ahead to the chance. You can't use any of those guys. Is there someone else in this tight end position you would like to go with? Or if you if you don't have any of those guys and you have to go with someone who isn't one of those guys, who would it be? Uh, Jake, let's go to you first. So you named a lot. Of, I was trying to keep track, that, and I was listening. I don't think you did, but let me just double check. You didn't say Vance, did you? I did not say Vance. Okay, that's the easy one, and I'm taking the easy one because, <laughs> look, 
it hasn't happened for two people this year. It didn't happen for Josh Hill, and it didn't happen for Tyler Eifert. And you guys know I, I was not on with the, doing the risking the Tyler Eifert. Uh, I wasn't on with Josh Hill either. And finally, you know what? Technically, it was three teams because Evan Ingram did nothing against them, who now sounds like he's coming back. Rhett Ellison had the game that week, but Rhett Ellison had the game. You score against the Cardinals if you're a tight end. Simple, done, matchup. Look, Tyler Higby. I thought I was being aggressive, writing, you know, ranking him at tight, tight end 15 for somebody who has done nothing the entire year. High score of, I think, like 10 in week one and 6.2 outside of that game. That's coming straight from my article. So I was like, oh, 15, that's pretty respectable. High in our, well, he finished as number one. So Vance <laughs> McDonald against the Cardinals. Yes, just go the simple, your simple answer. If he's out there, he's the one. And then Brandon can give you another. I'm sure there's another one that Brandon has. Well, you mentioned a guy that would be good. It would be Tyler Higby. If he's going against he's going against the Seahawks, if there's no Gerald Everett, I would I would double down on that. But I think uh, the guy that just went against the Seahawks who looked really good was Kyle Rudolph, and he's been scoring touchdowns. I mean, call him you know the red. Do you zone feel that way if Adam Thielen comes back? That's why I, I, um, I see. I don't feel as good if Adam I, Thielen's I, back. You don't feel as good, but you still feel like he's going to get his five targets and he probably gets one or two of those in in the end zone. I mean, you saw the reason why he gets so many touchdowns. I mean, that catch he had against Seattle was fantastic. He's a big target. Know, but he's agile. Make plays in, in traffic and um hold so on. I mean yeah, I, I just want to give you this Brandon hold on hold on just be, like I'm not like I'm not trying to have fun like I'm serious this is because this is why I didn't include him because I was assuming Thielen was coming back the targets are my biggest concern because the first five weeks was one five one 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 he had one target in four of the five games yeah but I wonder if that stays the same uh, Cousins has gotten used to throwing to him they're having success throwing to him I would wonder you know if he could get to at least plus four it's or December five, even with Thielen <laughs> it's yeah. not yeah. And it's not a lot of targets we're talking about. I think all he needs is five, and, and you got a good chance for uh, success in a touchdown. But Higby, I would like a lot as well, if no Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett put up a huge number against Seattle. Seattle, you know, Rudolph put up huge numbers last week. Seattle's given up the third most to tight ends. I see it week in and week out. The tight end's always open. Uh, so if Higby's out there, I would expect him to have a good game as well. we got to write like a Rudolph the Red Zone monster song for December with Kyle Rudolph the way he's been playing he went from I remember from last year he went from tight end like 22 to like tight end 11 in two weeks at the end of the season (laughs) that's what he does man Rudolph's just show up in December it's how they do it who else oh Zach he's basically remember when Zach Hurst used to do that except in November Zach Hurst used to do nothing and then show up in November I do remember that that's a little more random. Like, you know, at least in December, it's like the bookend. You know, it's a bookend. You can say, oh, this guy, he always shows up in September and then he fades or, you know, he shows up at the end of the year. But November is just kind of like wedged in there. It's just it's kind of a random month. Man, it just needs a little bit of time <laughs> to, uh, to heat up. And- it's Thanksgiving and my birthday, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy uh, happy birthday, that Jake. Uh, what that hurts. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so we do have a few injuries at tight end to talk about. Uh, sounds like Austin Hooper is finally, you're not finally, uh, going to get back uh, from his knee injury uh, here after missing uh, the last few games for Atlanta. He is practicing this week. Uh, also sounds like Evan Ingram going to be able to return uh, this week for the Giants. Missed a few games here with a foot injury. David Njoku is still trying to make his way back from the wrist injury. Obviously, you can't really trust him uh, in his first game back. Probably someone who we're just going to have to close the book on and turn ahead to 2020 for fantasy purposes. Uh, Greg Olson in concussion protocol, but uh, doesn't sound like the Panthers are too concerned just yet. Of course, they're dealing with a coaching change there as well with Ron Rivera out. And then Gerald Everett, as Brandon said, uh, dealing with a knee injury that opened the door for Tyler 
Tyler Higby's big game against the Cardinals last week. Seahawks not uh, quite the Cardinals matchup, but they have been relatively friendly to the tight end position this season. And that will do it for us in this week 14 fantasy football playoffs edition of the ranking show. Follow Jake on Twitter at all in kid follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. You can follow me at M Beller. Of course, if you are a subscriber to the athletic, you want to check out Jake's rankings as well. That will get you updated all the way through until kickoff on Sunday. If you are not a subscriber to the athletic and you are listening to us for free rate review, subscribe really does help us out and go to the athletic.com slash the ranking show to get 40% off a yearly subscription to the athletic for Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening and good luck in the playoffs.